0: Have you ever played World of Warcraft, Fortnite, or Minecraft? If not, I bet you know someone who has. More than 2.6 billion people around the world play video games. That's one third of the world's population. And this number is increasing every day. The gaming industry generates yearly revenues of 140 billion US dollars, which is more than Hollywood, Bollywood, and recorded music sales combined. But what happens when video game producers introduce green options and environmental dilemmas in their games? Let's look into this phenomenon and examine if it's an opportunity for creating a greener world. Just imagine what could happen if this worldwide online community got engaged in the fight for a sustainable future. I'm Afton Halloran and you're listening to the Nordic Talks Podcast. This episode is about how games and digital experiences in so-called extended reality can make a difference in the fight for a better world, and how this is already happening as we speak. We'll examine how a Danish technology pioneer uses extended reality to change our mindsets. And we'll also hear from an American storyteller who is cultivating the creativity of the gaming community, putting the environment on the agenda. Or you could also put it this way. Just imagine if we could have fun and change the world at the same time. This voice belongs to Martina Jager. In many ways, she's the personification of a new generation of people in the Nordics engaged in creative businesses. It's a field of top priority for the region's governments. Martina is from Denmark and works at the intersection of global challenges, art and technology's potential to change human behavior.
1: There's so much that we don't see when we consume, and I think that's just something that we've become so used to, but if we go back some generations, like we used to know exactly where the milk came from, we used to know where the wool came from, we would have this sense of, of origin, and, and we would have much more um, education and, and, and a much better understanding of what materials meant and what value goes into it. So. When we're talking about a future that has to be more meaningful and more fun and more intelligent and, and, and all these things, like we really need to, to also think about how can we reach all the hearts of everyone? like How can we
0: change our behavior? To win hearts and minds, Martina sees the new digital possibilities as crucial. And so she's initiated an online talk with Lance Weiler from Columbia University's Digital Storytelling Lab and Matthias Gredel-Nervy from Cybo Games in Copenhagen. Matina wants to discuss the possibilities of increasing environmental awareness through one of the biggest forms of entertainment on the planet. Matthias's company is a founding member of the Playing for the Planet Alliance, endorsed by the United Nations Environmental Programme. The Alliance consists of dozens of game producers from all over the world working to promote the UN Sustainable Development Goals in their games.
2: In Playing for the Planet, what we've done is, together with 20 other companies, we founded the alliance at the UN General Assembly last year and basically made a, a big thing out of how can games at large and across very different genres both tell stories about how the world could look, but also give more awareness, raise awareness and change behavior in the future in every single way a game can engage players.
1: How do you work with behavioral change and and, and what's your experience with it?
2: The main thing for us is to create awareness. So when you have a hundred million players spread across the world, obviously you also have all walks of life. You have all ages, all genders. You have um, a whole wide variety of nationalities and, and types of people. That means that a lot of those are, of our players are not engaging in uh, environmental talks or sustainability issues. And by showcasing things in the environment, so that you can run through a city that has more recycle bins, have solar panels, have windmills, have uh, a greener and more lush environment, we can we can engage in conversations that they might not be having without without that. So we've made Bali, that is already a very exotic and an exciting destination even greener and even more inspirational for other cities to be inspired by.
0: Across the Atlantic, Lance focuses on the need for a new way of communicating that contains some hope for the future. He wants gamers to strive for utopia rather than dystopia, which has so far been the rule rather than the exception in many
3: games. I think a lot of people tend to take dystopian views of what the future is. There's such a dominant kind of, uh, you know, narrative that's in place around futures. I think if you were to talk to most people about the future, they would shape a very dystopian view of it. What we try to do is look at protopian or utopian views in and around uh, futures, and uh, we tend to use often, um, you know, different frameworks that help us to achieve that. You know, uh, framework that was developed by Dr. Stuart Candy, who's a futurist from Carnegie Mellon University, which is called the Experiential Futures Ladder. We'll often use that. Um, we'll use, um, you know, a number of various tools and things, but a lot of it is allowing somebody to see the potential or the possibility of what a future could be and are uh, making it experiential or tactile in some way
0: back to copenhagen and matthias who shares this hopeful approach but
2: we need to keep it reliable and recognizable to the widest possible extent and then adding elements that can that can give that aha moment that could make you wonder that could make you search for for more knowledge about a certain thing for example when you when they introduced uh, pollution as an element in Civilization VI, until they did that. In Civilization games, you had infinite resources or finite resources, but you had infinite possibilities, and there was no blocking in use of those resources. By adding pollution as a factor, all of a sudden gameplay was changed to also think sustainable. And I think that's that's one very clear example that if, if you have a game where nature is part of your game experience, then you can make nature real you can make nature something that you want to protect or something that you that you feel that you need to protect, whether that's an animal crossing uh, where you have to work as a team to fix or help the animals, whether it's an animal Jam, One of the participants in the uh, Playing for the Planet Alliance, Wildworks, are trying to do uh, things where you engage with nature, but also uh, games such as uh, Beyond Blue uh, that came out after the BBC documentary where you have uh, the experience of what it is underwater, what it's like to be underwater, and what the life and the myriad of of, uh, different species are beyond, beyond the blue. I think all of that is part of how you can, as a player, experience something that you might not want to get to if you had to watch a whole documentary or if you had to read a whole book. This is a very easy way of sort of bite size acknowledging the importance of togetherness and diversity and and nature.
0: The underwater experience that Matthias talks about is an example of the so-called extended reality world. What began as mixed virtual or augmented reality, combining the real world with the virtual world, has now been developed into a general term covering all these new techniques. Extended reality has the potential to give us, as human beings in the real world, the possibility to go digital and imagine pretty much everything from any point of view, like life underwater. To Martina, this is revolutionary.
1: Extended reality to me is really about um, a technology that uh, makes us able to see things that we don't normally see or think about, the definition of extended reality is mixed reality virtual reality and augmented reality and i think the definition of it or the let's say the word for it extended reality is 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 quite descriptive because it extends our reality and our perception of it and i'm incredibly fascinated by it because it really allows us to add layers, digital layers onto reality and and to tap into that whole potential of communication and storytelling and, and really doing things that we can't do in reality. Um, so I first started working with extended reality or more specifically mixed reality in 2016 when I did the world's first mixed reality fashion show at London Fashion Week. Um, So that was really when I fell in love with extended reality and its potential um the fashion show that we did or the experience was was very uh, different from the traditional catwalk experience you'd walk into the W London Hotel in London and you'd walk into an empty room you'd put on the Microsoft HoloLens and you'd walk around this empty room and you would explore um and what you'd find um were life-size holographic models standing around the room wearing a collection that was made from recycled materials, waste materials, and organic materials. So this was really... It was an attempt to get people to engage rather than just passively observe um and of course in in many industries, but also very much in the fashion industry, this has been an issue or at least it's been a recipe for decades and decades um the whole thing that people they just sit down i mean it's almost like sitting down in in a sofa and switching on the t v and just having the experience pass you by and and you you don't really engage um what I love about extended reality is also its potential to to really engage you and to draw you into this different world, and and also just to to. Um to make you become part of something instead of just being an outsider, and observer. I think that's, I mean, even from a philosophical point of view, you could say that I, I'd rather see a world where this is how we engage with the world and with one another, that we are actively engaging um, instead of just passively observing. So I think that that's one of the main reasons why i'm so intrigued by extended reality and 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 its potential but i mean this is early days we've we've just started
0: one thing is to tell stories from a new angle another is the new possibility in the digital world for everybody to become a storyteller that development contains huge potential for change, says Lance.
3: For the longest time, story has been locked away and held by certain uh, experts, right? And that's the way that we it's been taught to us. And, and we think, OK, well, I need to sit back and I'm going to consume this story because this person is an expert at storytelling. They're an amazing novelist. They're an incredible writer, or director, uh, you know, so forth and so on. But the reality is, um, you know, those formerly known as the audience are now storytellers. There's such a huge amount of people who are telling stories all over the world. They can push button publish for the world to see in ways that were never possible before. So the question then becomes how can you harness storytelling as a way to help people to shift their thought process, or to transform, or to show them a different perspective? Right, because behavior—in order to change behavior—it takes time. You know, it's a, you know, there's all kinds of science behind that. It's 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 having uh, you know a certain number of procedures in place and you, you just kind of do it. And it's hard, right? It's hard to do something. And something like sustainability is a critical juncture. We're doing a high school futures program right now where we have about 1,500 high school students. Like after we finish recording, I'll go into a session with them and we're doing it around the Green New Deal, right? And so what they're doing is they're creating uh, together high school students from all over the world. They're learning about the green new deal which is a set of recommendations here in the united states Um, but it's for global uh uptake uh, or that's the hope and what we're doing is we're involving them not only in that conversation but we're allowing them to design elements of what they feel the future should look like so that they can be not just victims of the future but actually architects of it
0: so no doubt that there are endless possibilities for new ways of communicating and interacting across the globe But what are the hopes for translating this into real action for sustainable development? The odds are good, according to Martine, Lance and Matthias.
2: I'm really excited about the the fact that we have so many brilliant minds engaged in the same topic. I think uh, at different points in time, there's been a momentum that can create this type of both conversation and hopefully also impact. And I think the fact that we have platforms that allow us to have these conversations, the fact that we have entertainment products that have the reach that Games does, do, the fact that we have um, academia, uh, thought leaders, everyone around us inspiring, being interested in leveraging that platform to do something good is super exciting. So what I'm, I'm really excited about is as we talked about experimenting, finding the right form, and then broadening it out to billions of players, billions of people. There has never been a bigger penetration of awareness-creating tools than the mobile revolution. And the fact that everyone has a mobile phone or that it's it's far and wide what people have as their main device means that games and information through this technology will allow people to reach it. And I think what I hope both with the, what with what we do at CYBO in terms of impact investment, uh, game initiatives, and, and also playing for the planet, but also conversations like these is that anyone hearing it is thinking, what could I do? Um, because I, I actually don't care how much anyone does. I think I just hope that they do something, whatever they're capable of, whatever, whatever uh, you as a listener are thinking, Hey, maybe I could change this tiny thing. It matters. Uh, otherwise, there would never have been movements if it weren't for, for tiny, tiny actions combined. So I, I hope that we can create more impact by doing things and then learning from what we do and then keep doing it, and then doing more. And more. And more. Never, never stop doing more.
1: Amazing. And Lance, what's your what? What are you? What excites
2: you?
3: Well, I think that uh, I I agree. I think we're in this really unique, interesting collective moment. And I think out of that collective moment, it's accelerating and showing a lot of the fractures in the current infrastructure and the systems that have exist and the power dynamics. And I think that we're seeing uh, people who are, you know, kind of shaking the system, like it's, it's, it's accelerating certain things that were maybe going to happen, you know, two years from now. Four years from now, five years from now, right? And it's just all happening at the same time. And I think that, uh, you know, the exciting aspect of that is there's so many unknowns, right? And, but the one known is that certain things don't work the way that we either perceive them to work or that we weren't prepared for what was coming, and that we didn't prioritize what was happening. Whatever those things are, it puts it under kind of a collective microscope. So everybody looks at it in a different way. And there was a a kind of this moment of collective pause globally that was unprecedented. And out of that, I think you'll see amazing art. And out of that, I think you'll see amazing stories. And out of that, I think you'll see amazing games. And out of that, I think you'll see the rise and you already are seeing really active, interesting movements.
0: It's really encouraging to hear about the attempts to create awareness of the UN Global Goals through new methods and new media. I guess it will have an impact sooner or later. But what about you and me right now? What can we do? Let's hear from Matthias
2: first. My guiding principle, we, we do that uh, at Cybo with everything we do, is if you have the choice between two options, pick the better one. It means that if we have two features that are equally fun, we choose the green or the social one. It means if we hire between two candidates that are equally fit for the profile, we choose the one we have the least of, whether that's sexuality, gender, uh, nationality, age, um, background, or or thought. It means if we have two different types of things we could promote, we we pick the one that is more green, more social, more more right. And I think if that's a, a principle you can abide by, you'll see over time that you do more and more right things.
3: Be willing to try things, not to be afraid that you're going to fail, but be willing to embrace the potential that you will fail. And out of that failure, you will learn even more. So I think what we need to do is the reality of the situation is we have to act now. Like we, we needed to act a while ago, but like we need to really, really act now. And so I think there's a number of really amazing resources that exist and, and things that are out there. Um, and I th- and I'm, um, I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, we will make great works collectively and others and future generations will make great works that will help propel us forward. But I'd say, you know, being present and really just taking the time to, to listen, to listen to the things around us, because there are signals to the future all around us. There are breadcrumbs to the future all around us. It's just a matter of if we're going to actually listen to them and then act on them
1: for me as a let's say a a takeaway um, is really to to always encourage critical thinking and to 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 rethink everything to constantly have this drive of curiosity that doesn't just stop with the first solution because I don't think there is one solution and I think also don't be intimidated by new technologies Dive into it and and really be curious about it because there is so much power and so much potential of connecting with you know communities and new ways of communicating and interacting. That is so exciting. I mean, this comes from somebody who was educated in in one field and then started working with extended reality and blockchain and all sorts of weird things um, purely out of curiosity and also purely out of, the, uh, out of being convinced that this is where we'll find a future which I would want to be part of. Um, and I think it's really about engaging. I mean, be part of all this. Don't, don't sit back and be intimidated by the complexity of it. Try your best to, to be part of it because the more people, the more everyone is part of this development, the better. Some of the, the, you know, the problems that we have today is, is very often that we, we, you know, a lot of bubbles and, and, and very elitist um, small groups of, of uh, let's say, control, control rooms um, have been created. We need, to, we need to open up this development and, and have people engaged. So I would really say be part of it. I, I really hope that as, as many as possible will because it'll create a better future.
0: We are living in unprecedented times when it comes to digital possibilities, and we need to harness this opportunity if we want to progress sustainable development. And I'm wondering how far can we come if the 2.6 billion people playing video games, or even just a fraction of them, choose the better option when given the choice? This is such a good example of meeting people where they are and tapping into their daily habits in order to shift behavior in a more sustainable direction. I'm Afton Halloran. Thanks for listening to the Nordic Talks podcast.